Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You help me here as we get started this morning. Fill in the blank. Love is. What? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Love is. Forgiving. Kind. Emotional. Tough. Yeah, it is. Sacrificial. Yeah. I was hoping I would get Turtle Tracks ice cream or something like that. No, well, never mind. Um, it is all those things um, and more. In fact, last week, as we looked at this idea that love wins regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the challenge, regardless of the obstacles, love wins. It always wins. And it always supersedes. It is far more important than anything that we think really is defined as important here. That's what, what we learned last week. This week, though, he starts to define what love is and what it isn't in these verses. We're going to look, just look at three verses together, four or four verses, four through seven. Let's look at these verses and come back and, and see, uh, kind of pick these apart a little bit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, in these is and isn'ts here in these four verses of love, um, there are several things I want us to see. First of all, in verse 4, love is a picture. He starts by saying love is a picture of selflessness. It's a picture of selflessness. He says here, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud. This idea of being patient and kind are matters of expression. Consequently, they're not inward, they're outward. Love is patient with others. Love is kind with others. It's an, it's an outward expression. Now, these things that follow are more inward. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not proud. That gets to our motivation. Why do we love the way we do? Why do we express love the way we do? Why do we reach out? Why do we hold back? Why do we experience love the way we experience it? Well, probably for the most part, we, we love like we were loved and love like we are loved. So how we saw love in our home growing up is oftentimes how we love Sometimes, sometimes not. That's an accurate or not picture of what God divines love to be here in this passage. But this idea of envy, of boast, of being proud is about my own motivation. Why do I love? Do I love to be seen? Do I love to be noticed? Do I love for others to see the fact that I'm loving, the fact that I care, the fact that I'm there? And he says there's no room in love for that. Um, the, the, this, this idea of expressing patience and kindness and reserving or withholding Envy and boastfulness and, and, and pride um, is, is the idea he's trying to convey. And, and it's, this idea of loving others is, is certainly uh, much harder when, when, when the others aren't as lovable, when the others are in a hard place, when the others require more love, need more love. We just looked at, uh, c- completed a, a study not long ago, First and Second Peter. First and Second Peter are in large part about other things, but in large part about adversity. It's in large part about suffering. How do I deal with that? What do I learn from that? What do I glean from that? Now, what we, what we glean from that study is that it's less 
about rescue and more about redemption. It's less about escape and more about enlightenment, less about deliverance and more about direction. That's what suffering is. And that's why it's so desperately important that we love people in the middle of a hard place. When it's hard to love, when it's inconvenient to love, when it's costly to love, when it takes time to love. It's important that you and I as believers, as followers of Jesus, love people that way. Why? Because anybody can love somebody that's lovable, but only Christ can love somebody that's not. And he did. And he requires us and calls us to as well. Secondly, love is not only a picture of selflessness, but love is not about being noticed. Look at verse 5, what he says. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. It's not rude. It's not offensive. Love is never off-putting. It's never, it, it never alienates people. It draws people, or it should. It's never self-seeking. It's never prideful. never thinks more highly of itself. Never, never motivated by, will others see me love or will they not? Never motivated by that. It's never angered. In essence, love never has an agenda going in to say, here's, here's the, the ultimate outcome I want to happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'm withholding love. Or if it doesn't happen, they're going to hear about it from me. If it doesn't happen, my love's not worthy, or this person's not worthy of my love. We, we go into love with no agenda. And this last one here is really good. It keeps no records of wrong. Love has, in essence, he's saying love has no memory. Every marriage, every marriage needs to learn this lesson. Every marriage needs a love with no record of wrong. You know why? My wife does things wrong. I do things wrong. Your husband does things wrong. Your wife does things wrong. There's no marriage where, where, where wrong never occurs. And we need to have no memory. We need to love beyond doing wrong or being wronged. Uh, sometimes that, that, that goes into, into extended family relationships or, or coworkers or those kind of things. Somebody's wronged us. How, how dare I be called to love them when they've wronged me? That's what God's called us to, to love beyond where we've been wronged, beyond where we've been hurt. Um, because love ultimately isn't about us. The greatest picture of this is at the cross. Um, the cross was altogether about, about us and not about Christ. Now hear me here, because on the surface it's, it sounds real sacrilegious. But the cross was not Jesus' most proud moment. It wasn't his proudest moment. It should be ours, but it wasn't his. You recall his prayer in the garden the night before? <laughs> Is there another way? Can I get around this? I love these people. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice for them, but is there another? Is there a plan B? He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to be shamed and spit upon and hung, hung up without clothes for people to see and, and, and scourged. And He didn't want any of that, humanly speaking. He didn't want to walk that road. That wasn't his proudest moment. But it was about us instead of being about him. And we need to see that. We need to, 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 to see and reclaim, reclaim the, the power of the cross. Why? Because it's a picture of selflessness. It's a picture of his love to us, consequently, of how we ought to love others. Um, it, we, we saw this a little bit last week. This is what this verse alludes to. It's not what we say or do that matters. In essence, it's really not about us, but simply that you are more important than me. And that's the picture this verse, verse 5 paints. You are more important than me. G- given any situation, you're more important than me. I'm going to take a subservient role. I'm going to take a backseat role. And my love for you, my my love for you and in you and to you is far more preeminent than anything going on in my life right now. Now, that's hard. I mean, there's just no way, there's no easy way to do that. Why? Because people are human and they make mistakes and they're carnal and they're fleshly and they're selfish, just like you and me. And it's hard to love people in the midst of those kind of emotions, but that's what we're being, that's what we're called to without being noticed. Blending into the woodwork. Jesus didn't want to be noticed in the cross. I'm going to tell you, if he could have hidden, he would have hidden. But he didn't, and he couldn't. 
And we're not to either as well. Our, our love is not to be noticed. Thirdly, love is never compromised. Look at what he says in verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Evil seldom finds its way into love unless we bring it with us. It seldom finds its way into love unless we, humanly speaking, bring it with us. How? By our motives being wrong. By the fact that we demand a certain outcome out of love. By the fact that you need to be fixed here in about 30, 60, 90 days. That's all, that's all the time I'm going to love you through this. And if you're not okay by then, you're on your own. By us not bringing agenda, a love agenda into relationships with others. There's no, e- there's no room for evil in love. And, and consequently, there is no evil in love until we bring it with us. Because we're the, we're the carriers. But notice here that the contrast here in this verse isn't between evil and good. It's between evil and truth. Now get this. Evil and good are, are clear contrasts. It's, it's, it's easier to see. Evil and truth are, is a little times more of a challenge. What's that look like? Um, well, sometimes loving in truth is hard and it's difficult and it's tough. And if we're honest with, with each other, uh, loving in truth is a difficult thing. Uh, the, 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 the clearest example that I can think of is loving somebody, somebody through an addiction. I don't know if you've ever been there or done that with a family member, a friend. If you've ever loved somebody through an addiction, it's, whether it's addiction to pills, addiction to alcohol, addiction to, to, to work, addiction, <laughs> regardless of what the addiction is, loving somebody through an addiction is a tough thing to do. Why? Because there are times, oftentimes in those kinds of love, where you have to say, you're on your own. It's, it's you and God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you, but I'm not going to enable you anymore. I'm not going to encourage this behavior anymore. Um, Sharon just shared with me before church started, and I meant to mention, mention this earlier, that her niece, uh, Madison, is seven weeks, did you say? Seven weeks uh, free of, of her addictive behavior. And so, you know, we've shared, I mean, we've encouraged you before to pray for her. And so that, you know, when you hear those kind of stories, here's what I know behind that story. Somebody's given her some tough love. If she's if she moved beyond addiction for seven weeks, she's victorious for seven weeks, somebody's loved her tough. Somebody's been honest with her. Somebody's told her the truth. You can't stay this way. This leads to destruction. In fact, it's going to lead to death. You can't stay this way. You can't stay in this situation. And loving somebody through an addiction or through a hard place or through a stronghold in their life is hard to do. But it demands our our loving. It demands our staying. It demands our staying in. We're going to look at that in just a second. It demands our investing in that individual. Now, is it sometimes love tells the truth and it always should, but it also, it, it, it also should always do that in love. Not, you better straighten yourself up if you want my love. No, you need to straighten yourself up because there's evil at play here. The enemy's all over this. Can you not see that? And I'm not walking away from you. I'm, I'm here walking with you, but I want to tell you what I see and I want to be truthful with you. And I'm not going anyplace, but I can't love you and not be honest with you. That's hard to do with a friend, certainly. With a family member, yeah. Somebody at work, yeah. It's hard to do. But love demands that we be truthful because the other side of that is the enemy's lying. The the enemy's telling them, this is normal. This is the way you ought to feel. This is life. This is the way life goes. No, it isn't. Not the way God intended. And so to put evil out of the picture, truth has to be interjected in love. And so this comparison that he lays in this verse between evil and truth, love's always on the side of truth. Why? Because the enemy's all over evil and there's no room for the enemy to love. 
Love is never, ever compromised. One, one final thought before we leave this. Truth is seldom easy, but it's always good. It is seldom easy, but the outcome, if we'll stay with it, and it's hard to stay with it sometimes, the outcome is always good. If we're going to stand on the side of truth, we're going to see good results. Maybe not in 24 hours. Maybe not in five years. <laughs> but if we stay with it, we're going to see good results. Why? Because truth never fails. It never fails, ever. It always stands. Fourthly, love's not only a picture of selflessness and not about being noticed and never compromised, but finally, love is to remain a constant. Look at what he says here in this last verse. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love protects the things that are of value. And what is that? Well, Jesus, the greatest picture again is to go back to the cross and look at this great expression of love. What was he dying for? Your job? Your house? No. The things you possess? No. For you. For you and I. Love's about people. It's not about stuff. It's not about things. It's about people. Uh, love, love protects the things that are of value. protects people in our lives. Uh, the, the, things, the very things Christ died for. Love trusts, he says in this verse. Trust beyond what is seen, beyond what is understood. It trusts that there's a plan, that God has a plan to all of this. A person's walking through a hard place. Family members walk through a hard place. We're walking through a hard place. We've got to understand God's got some design to this. There's, there's, there are lessons here. There's a, there's a deeper place with him and a deeper walk with him to be seen and to be gleaned out of this situation. I'll never see it if I run. I'll never see it if I, if, if, if I selfishly run and abandon the things that God's trying to do. Love trusts beyond what's seen, what's understood. Love's hope here, he, try, he always hopes. Love's hope here is in a person. We're going to see that more clearly in just a second in 1 John. Love, but love's hope is in a person. It's not in a set of circumstances. It's not in a career. It's not in a title. It's not in a position. Love's hope. The thing that drives love along is in a person, the person of Christ. Finally, love perseveres. In essence, it stays in when it's costly, when it's expensive, when it's time-consuming, all those things, and love costs. But the thing here, that really, uh, uh, his, his, the protection, the trust, the hope, all great perseverance, all great things. But the most important word in this verse is the one that occurs over and over and over and over again. It's always. Love is always kind. Love is always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. In essence, I'm in. I'm in for the duration. I'm in for the long haul. I'm in regardless of how hard it gets. I'm in regardless of how convenient it is. I'm, I'm in regardless of whether, how much time it, it costs me, maybe how much money it will cost me, how, much of a situation that it, how long haul this situation may be. Um, and, it, and it will. Love is costly. It'll, it's definitely going to cost time. Sometimes it's going to cost money. Uh, it'll even at times cost us reputation. I've got a friend named Lynn. Many of you know about He's been here to church to visit with the church before. I've been asked, about, my friendship with him has cost me a reputation with people. And I understand that. I get that. But I still remain his friend because I've seen what God has done with his life before. And I've seen the giftedness that he has. And I've seen how God redeems the unredeemable. And I've seen how, how um, the Lord uses his hand, has his hand on his life. And so having that kind of knowledge, I remain his friend because I see the potential in him because I've seen it before. I've walked with him before when he's walking with Jesus before. And I long to see that again. So, but my friendship with him, with, because he's bipolar and he gets off the rails in life sometimes, my friendship with him has cost me a reputation with some people. And I get it. And I understand why. That's a price. I, I, it's a choice I made and a price I'm willing to pay. Why? Because I've seen what God's done in his life. I've, I've, I've examined 
that, that I'm not going to stop loving him. I'm not going to stop caring about him. I'm not going to stop walking with him because it's inconvenient, because it's costly, because it's, it's, and I'm the one sometimes that pays. But that's the way love is. It costs. It's never, seldom, ever convenient. It's nice and it's warm and it's fuzzy sometimes, but when we move beyond the warm fuzzies, love's hard. And there's just no easy way to, to, to walk with people in love in a, for the long haul. Yet, that's what he's called us to do. Um, when you see the depths of love in this way, explained in the ways he explains it here, in just four simple verses of Scripture, when you see the depths of love in this way, doesn't it offend you when it's cheapened? The way it's cheapened in our culture? It offends me the way it's cheapened. It offends me that, that um, you know, we, that, that love is associated. And it doesn't offend me to the point that I'm going to beat somebody up over it. But it offends me when love is cheapened to, to include um, the Vols or a color or a car or a purse or a pair of shoes. It, it doesn't offend me to the point that I want to go take the purse and the shoes and the car and, the, and, and wipe the Vols off. But when I see here the, the, the way God explains love and I see oftentimes how I love and how I cheapen it, I'm convicted by it and I'm bothered by it. And we all should be. Why? Because he paid an ultimate price with a picture of love like no one has ever given us. And that's how we're called to love. That's how we're called to give. That's how we're called to serve. That's how we're called to walk with others when it's hard. Turn to 1 John 4, 8. And I want you to see here his definition um, beyond 1 Corinthians 13 um, of love. And we go to the source here in 1 John 4, 8. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. But he says here in this verse, um, well, verses 7 and 8 actually. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, look at this phrase with me again. Whoever does not love does not know God. Flip that around. Whoever does not know God does not love. I've shared with you before, and I've gotten some pushback from this, both on the expressions on your faces and even some of your comments, that even even a mother with an infant child cares deeply about that child, but it's impossible for her to love unless she knows Jesus. You're nuts. Maybe so, but that's what the Scripture says. If we want to love, really love, we got to know God to love. We can feel deeply. We can have deep emotion. We can have deep affection. There can be a strong bond, but it isn't love until we know him. He's the author of love. That's what this verse says. So that apart from this definition, it gets kind of cheapened, doesn't it? It gets kind of watered down. It gets easier. It gets milder. It gets less severe. But when we see who he is, and he defines love, and he defines the way it works. He defi- he's, he's the very de- definition of love himself. He says, God is love. It's impossible to love apart from God, he's saying in First John 4, 7, and 8. And then as we see it in practice here in First Corinthians 13, it's, it's impossible to love that way without knowing him. That's the real truth behind this. We can't love selflessly without knowing him. We can't love and not be noticed without knowing him. We can't love and, and, and not compromise it without knowing him. We can't love and it not be a constant without knowing him. It's impossible to do. It's impossible to put these things into practice apart from knowing him. Any other definition of love is an empty one. I don't know, I don't know whether how you see that. You probably at home, and I shared with you a couple of books last week in the five love languages and love does that are, that are great books to help you define that if you're, if you're looking for some great definitions of how to put that into practice. 
in your life. But if you're like many, you've got several books at home on love. And some of them may be good and some of them may be not, depending on this definition. And here's, here's the definition that should remain is that God is love. A couple of observations here and we're done. Um, that's this. Love is expensive. It's important that we know that. And it cost Jesus his very life. That's, the, that's a great picture of the expense of love, how expensive it is. As I shared with you, that wasn't his proudest moment, I don't think. But it should be ours. Why? Because we were loved well. We were loved deeply. We were loved beyond where, it, where it's convenient, beyond where it feels good, beyond even where it's necessary. To love eternally. To love with a bond that nobody can break, even ourselves, even our own behavior. Um, we always, consequently, because that, that, that picture of love is what ought to be seared in our conscience, we ought to take a second look at love that's easy. And I don't know if you have relationships like that with other folks or not, but if love is easy, we ought to take a second look at them because something's going to trip us up sooner or later. Not to say that love should be hard every moment of every day. It shouldn't. It, it, it's, it's easy for, for me to love my family, my wife, my kids. It's, it, but it's not easy all the time. Sometimes it's harder than others. But, but a love that's easy all the time, we ought to be circumspect of it and take, take a step back and say, what's, what's about to happen here? Where is the enemy about to show up here? Because love is not easy. It's difficult. It's hard. And it demands a lot of me. It's expensive. So here's a question I ask as we close. I ask this of myself and of all of us, and that's this. What does loving well cost you? What does it cost you? Um, God loves us deeply, and he loves us sacrificially, and he calls us to love that way too. And when we love that way, there's going to be some cost. There's going to be some, some, some things lost some things, there's going to be some voids uh, in our life that, of, of areas that we've given ourselves away. And as I said a moment ago, it may be time. It may be money. It may be reputation. Maybe a lot of things that we, that we lose by loving. But it's well worth the cost. He says here to us in these verses and, and in this text today, it's well worth the cost of whatever, we, whatever it costs us to love that way. He says there's a, there's a, there's a far deeper and, and farther reaching testimony than what you see in just the immediacy of your love. And boy, that's hard in our culture because we're a culture that needs and demands even immediate feedback. We demand immediate feedback. I mean, if, 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 uh, if I text a 50-year-old, I don't expect a text back from a 50-year-old usually for several hours. If I text a 20-year-old and I hadn't heard back in 30 seconds, something's wrong somewhere. There's, there's a sense of immediacy that our, that our culture is demanding now, that we respond immediately. And love doesn't work that way. It's a long-haul thing. It's an in-for-the-duration in kind of thing. It's a, you can't get rid of me. You can't push me away far enough not to love you kind of thing. That's what this scripture talks about today. That's how he's called us to love. And that's hard. But that's who he is and who we should be. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.